Paper 2. The Nature of the Creator Inasmuch as humanity's highest possible concept of the Creator is embraced within the human idea and ideal of a primal and infinite personality, it is permissible and may prove helpful to study certain characteristics of the divine nature which constitute the character of deity. The nature of the universal source can best be understood by the revelation which Michael of Nebadon unfolded in manifold teachings and in a superb mortal life in the flesh. The divine nature can also be better understood by mortals if they regard themselves as children of a divine parent and look up to the paradise creator as a true spiritual parent. The nature of the Creator can be studied in a revelation of supreme ideas. The divine character can be envisaged as a portrayal of supernal ideals. But the most enlightening and spiritually edifying of all revelations of the divine nature is to be found in the comprehension of the religious life of Jesus of Nazareth, both before and after his attainment of full consciousness of divinity. If the incarnated life of Michael is taken as the background of the revelation of our Creator to humanity, we may attempt to put in human word symbols certain ideas and ideals concerning the divine nature which may possibly contribute to a further illumination and unification of the human concept of the nature and the character of the personality of the universal source. In all our efforts to enlarge and spiritualize the human concept of the first source and center, we are tremendously handicapped by the limited capacity of the mortal mind. We are also seriously handicapped in the execution of our assignment by the limitations of language and by the poverty of material which can be utilized for purposes of illustration or comparison in our efforts to portray divine values and to prevent spiritual meanings to the finite mortal minds of humans. All our efforts to enlarge the human concept of the first source would be well-nigh futile except for the fact that the mortal mind is indwelt by the bestowed adjuster of the universal parent and is pervaded by the truth spirit of the local universe creator. Depending, therefore, on the presence of these divine spirits within the hearts of mortals for assistance in the enlargement of the concept of the first source, I cheerfully undertake the execution of my mandate to attempt the further portrayal of the nature of the universal creator to the minds of mortal beings. Section 1. The Infinity of the First Source There is but one Creator the infinite source, who is also a faithful divine parent. The divine creator is also the source and the destiny of souls, the supreme soul, the primal mind, and the unlimited spirit of all creation. The great controller makes no mistakes and is resplendent in majesty and glory. The creator is wholly devoid of fear and enmity and is immortal eternal, self-existent, divine, and bountiful. How pure and beautiful, how deep and unfathomable is the supernal ancestor of all things. With our divine parent, all things are possible. The eternal creator is the cause of causes. 
Notwithstanding the infinity of the stupendous manifestations of the Creator's eternal and universal personality, the Divine Source is unqualifiedly self-conscious of both infinity and eternity, and likewise knows fully all perfection and power. The Creator experiences a perfect, proper, and complete personal appraisal. The Creator constantly and unfailingly meets the need of the differential of demand as it changes from time to time in various sections of the Master Universe. The vast source is self-knowing and understanding and is infinitely self-conscious of all personal primal attributes of perfection. The source is not a cosmic accident nor a universe experimenter. The universe sovereigns may engage in adventure. The constellation rulers may experiment. The system heads may practice. But the universal source sees the end from the beginning, and the divine plan and eternal purpose actually embrace and comprehend all the experiments and all the adventures of all subordinates in every world system and constellation in every universe of the vast domains. Nothing is new to the Creator, and no cosmic event ever comes as a surprise. The Creator inhabits the circle of eternity and is without beginning or end of days. To the Creator there is no past, present, or future. All time is present at any given moment. The source is the great and only I am. The universal source is absolutely and without qualification, infinite in all attributes. And this fact, in and of itself, automatically shuts the source off from all direct personal communication with the finite material beings and other lowly created intelligences. And all this necessitates such arrangements for contact and communication with manifold creatures as have been ordained first in the personalities of the local universe children of the Creator, who, although perfect in divinity, also often partake of the nature of the very flesh and blood of the planetary races, becoming one of you and one with you. Thus, as it were, the divine becomes human, as occurred in the bestowal of Michael of Nebadon. And second, there are personalities of the infinite mind, the various orders of the seraphic hosts and other celestial intelligences, who draw near to the material beings of lowly origin and in so many ways minister to them and serve them. And third, there are the impersonal mystery monitors, thought adjusters, the actual gift of the great divine parent sent to indwell such as the humans of Urantia, sent without announcement and without explanation. In endless profusion they descend from the heights of glory to grace and indwell the humble minds of the mortals who possess the capacity or the potential for creator consciousness. In these ways and in many others, in ways unknown to you and utterly beyond finite comprehension, the Paradise Creator lovingly and willingly downsteps and otherwise modifies, dilutes, and attenuates infinity in order to be able to draw nearer the finite minds of creature children. 
And so through a series of personality distributions, which are diminishingly absolute, the infinite parent is enabled to enjoy close contact with the diverse intelligences of the many realms of the far-flung universe. All this the Creator has done and now does and evermore will continue to do, without in the least detracting from the fact and reality of the Creator's infinity, eternity, and primacy. And these things are absolutely true, notwithstanding the difficulty of their comprehension, the mystery in which they are enshrouded, or the impossibility of their being fully understood by creatures such as dwell on Urantia. Because the first source's plans and purposes are infinite and eternal, it is inherently impossible for any finite being to ever grasp or comprehend these divine plans and purposes in their fullness. Mortals can glimpse the source's purposes only now and then, here and there, as they are revealed in relation to the outworking of the plan of creature ascension on its successive levels of universe progression. Though humans cannot encompass the significance of infinity, the infinite source most certainly fully comprehends and lovingly embraces all the infinity of all of the divine parents' children in all universes. Divinity and eternity the source shares with large numbers of the higher paradise beings. But we question whether infinity and consequent universal primacy is fully shared with any except the coordinate associates of the paradise trinity. Infinity of personality must perforce embrace all finitude of personality. Hence the truth, literal truth, of the teaching which declares that in our Creator we live and move and have our being. That fragment of the pure deity of the universal source which indwells mortals is a part of the infinity of the first great source and center. Section 2. The Creator's Eternal Perfection Even your olden prophets understood the eternal, never-beginning, never-ending, circular nature of the universal source. The Creator is literally and eternally present in the universe of universes. The Creator inhabits the present moment with all absolute majesty and eternal greatness. Throughout the eternal ages, it has been the Creator who gives life to all. There is infinite perfection in the divine integrity. Our knowledge of the universe of universes discloses not only that the Creator is the first source and center, but also that in the Creator's conduct of interplanetary affairs, there is no variableness or shadow of changing. Thus are the plans and purposes of the first source and center eternal, perfect, and forever changeless. There is finality of completeness and perfection of repleteness in the mandates of the universal creator. The creator does not repent of the original purposes of wisdom and perfection. Those plans are steadfast, the counsel immutable, while the acts are divine and infallible. The perfection of divinity and the magnitude of eternity are forever beyond the full grasp of the circumscribed minds of mortals. The reactions of a changeless universal source 
in the execution of the eternal purpose may seem to vary in accordance with the changing attitude and the shifting minds of created intelligences. That is, they may apparently and superficially vary. But underneath the surface and beneath all outward manifestations, there is still present the changeless purpose, the everlasting plan of the eternal creator. Out in the universes, perfection must necessarily be a relative term. But in the central universe, and especially on paradise, perfection is undiluted. In certain phases, it is even absolute. Trinity manifestations vary the exhibition of the divine perfection, but do not attenuate it. The Creator's primal perfection consists not in an assumed righteousness, but rather in the inherent perfection of the goodness of the divine nature. The Creator is final, complete, and perfect. There is nothing lacking in the beauty and perfection of our divine parent's righteous character. And the whole scheme of living existences on the worlds of space is centered in the divine purpose of elevating all will creatures to the high destiny of the experience of sharing the Creator's paradise perfection. The divine parent is neither self-centered nor self-contained and never ceases to bestow goodness upon all self-conscious creatures of the vast universe of universes. The universal source is eternally and infinitely perfect and cannot know imperfection as personal experience, but does share the consciousness of all the experience of imperfectness of all the struggling creatures of the evolutionary universes of all the local universe creators. The personal and liberating touch of the source of perfection overshadows the hearts and encircles the natures of all those mortal creatures who have ascended to the universe level of moral discernment. In this manner, as well as through the contacts of the divine presence, the universal source actually participates in the experience with immaturity and imperfection in the evolving career of every moral being of the entire universe. Human limitations, potential evil, are not a part of the divine nature, but mortal experience with evil and all humanity's relations to it are most certainly a part of the Creator's ever-expanding self-realization in the children of time. Creatures of moral responsibility who have been created or evolved by every local universe creator going out from paradise. Section 3. Justice and Righteousness The Creator is righteous and is therefore just. The justice of the universal source cannot be influenced by the acts and performances of creatures. How futile to make immature appeals to modify the changeless decrees of such a creator so that we can avoid the just consequences of the operation of wise natural laws and righteous spiritual mandates. True, even in the justice of reaping the harvest of wrongdoing, this divine justice is always tempered with mercy. Infinite wisdom is the eternal arbiter which determines the proportions of justice and mercy which shall be meted out in any given circumstance. 
the greatest punishment, parentheses, in reality, an inevitable consequence, end parentheses, for wrongdoing and deliberate rebellion against the government of the Creator is loss of existence as an individual subject of that government. The final result of wholehearted sin is annihilation. In the last analysis, such sin-identified individuals have destroyed themselves by becoming wholly unreal through their embrace of iniquity. The factual disappearance of such a creature is, however, always delayed until the ordained order of justice current in that universe has been fully complied with. Cessation of existence is usually decreed at the dispensational or epical adjudication of the realm or realms. On a world such as Urantia, it comes at the end of a planetary dispensation. Cessation of existence can be decreed at such times by coordinate action of all tribunals of jurisdiction, extending from the planetary council up through the courts of the local universe creator to the judgment tribunals of the ancients of days. The mandate of dissolution originates in the higher courts of the super-universe following an unbroken confirmation of the indictment originating on the sphere of the wrongdoer's residence. And then, when sentence of extinction has been confirmed on high, the execution is by the direct act of those judges residential on and operating from the headquarters of the super-universes. When this sentence is finally confirmed, sin-identified beings instantly become as though they had not been. There is no resurrection from such a fate. It is everlasting and eternal. The living energy factors of identity are resolved by the transformations of time and the metamorphoses of space into the cosmic potentials from which they once emerged. As for the personality of the iniquitous one, it is deprived of a continuing life vehicle by the creature's failure to make those choices and final decisions which would have assured eternal life. When the continued embrace of sin by the associated mind culminates in complete self-identification with iniquity, then upon the cessation of life, upon cosmic dissolution, such an isolated personality is absorbed into the oversoul of creation, becoming a part of the evolving experience of the Supreme Being. Never again does it appear as a personality. Its identity becomes as though it had never been. In the case of an adjuster indwelt personality, the experiential spirit values survive in the reality of the continuing adjuster. In any universe contest between actual levels of reality, the personality of the higher level will ultimately triumph over the personality of the lower level. This inevitable outcome of universe controversy is inherent in the fact that divinity of quality equals the degree of reality or actuality of any will creature. Undiluted evil, complete error, willful sin, 
and unmitigated iniquity are inherently and automatically suicidal. Such attitudes of cosmic unreality can survive in the universe only because of transient mercy tolerance pending the action of the justice-determining and fairness-finding mechanisms of the universe tribunals of righteous adjudication. The rule of the local universe creators is one of creation and spiritualization. These creators devote themselves to the effective execution of the paradise plan of progressive mortal ascension, to the rehabilitation of rebels and wrong thinkers. But when all such loving efforts are finally and forever rejected, the final degree of dissolution is executed by forces acting under the jurisdiction of the ancients of days. Section 4. The Divine Mercy Mercy is simply justice tempered by that wisdom which grows out of perfection of knowledge and the full recognition of the natural weaknesses and environmental handicaps of finite creatures. Our Creator is inherently kind, naturally compassionate, and everlastingly merciful. And never is it necessary that any influence be brought to bear upon the Divine Parent to call forth loving kindness. The creature's need is wholly sufficient to ensure the full flow of tender mercy and saving grace. Knowing all about mortal children, it is easy for our parent to forgive. The better humans understand their neighbors, the easier it will be to forgive, even to love them. Only the discernment of infinite wisdom enables a righteous divine parent to minister justice and mercy at the same time and in any given universe situation. The Creator is never torn by conflicting attitudes towards universe children, is never a victim of attitudinal antagonisms. All knowingness unfailingly directs the Creator's free will in the choosing of that universe conduct which perfectly, simultaneously, and equally satisfies the demands of all the divine attributes and the infinite qualities of an eternal nature. Mercy is the natural and inevitable offspring of goodness and love. The good nature of a loving parent could not possibly withhold the wise ministry of mercy to each member of every group of universe children. Eternal justice and divine mercy together constitute what in human experience would be called fairness. Divine mercy represents a fairness technique of adjustment between the universe levels of perfection and imperfection. Mercy is the justice of supremacy adapted to the situations of the evolving finite, the righteousness of eternity modified to meet the highest interests and universe welfare of the children of time. Mercy is not a contravention of justice, but rather an understanding interpretation of the demands of supreme justice as it is fairly applied to the subordinate spiritual beings and to the material creatures of the evolving universes. Mercy is the justice of the Paradise Trinity 
wisely and lovingly visited upon the manifold intelligences of the creations of time and space as it is formulated by divine wisdom and determined by the all-knowing mind and the sovereign free will of the universal source and associated creators. Section 5. The Love of Our Divine Parent Our Divine Parent's only personal attitude towards the affairs of the universe is always a reaction of divine affection. The Creator loves us sufficiently to bestow life upon us. It is wrong to think of our parent as being coaxed into loving us because of the sacrifices of the local universe creators or the intercession of subordinate creatures. It is in response to parental affection that our creator sends the marvelous adjusters to indwell the minds of mortals. Our parent's love is universal. The creators are the very first to attempt to save mortals from the disastrous results of foolish transgression of the divine laws. Our divine parents' love is by nature a parental affection. Even during your fiery trials, remember that in all our afflictions, our parent is afflicted with us. The creator is divinely kind to sinners. When rebels return to righteousness, they are mercifully received. After all, the greatest evidence of the Creator's goodness and the supreme reason for loving the Creator is the indwelling gift bestowed upon us. The Adjuster, who so patiently awaits the hour when you both shall be eternally made one. Though you cannot find the source by searching, if you will submit to the leading of the indwelling spirit, you will be unerringly guided step by step, life by life, through universe upon universe, and age by age, until you finally stand in the presence of the paradise personality of the universal source. How unreasonable that you should not worship the Creator because the limitations of human nature and the handicaps of your material creation make it impossible for you to see your Divine Parent. Between you and your Creator, there is a tremendous distance, parentheses, physical space, and parentheses, to be traversed. There likewise exists a great gulf of spiritual differential which must be bridged, but notwithstanding all that physically and spiritually separates you from the paradise personal presence of the Creator, stop and ponder the solemn fact that the Divine Parent lives within you, has already bridged the gulf, and sent the Thought Adjuster to live in you and to toil with you as you pursue your eternal universe career. I find it easy and pleasant to worship one who is so great and at the same time so affectionately devoted to the uplifting ministry of lowly creatures. I naturally love one who is so powerful in creation and in the control thereof, and yet who is so perfect in goodness and so faithful in the loving kindness which constantly overshadows us. 
I think I would love our Divine Parent just as much, not for being so great and powerful, but for being so good and merciful. We all love the nature more than the amazing attributes of our Creator. When I observe the local universe creators and their subordinate administrators struggling so valiantly with the manifold difficulties of time inherent in the evolution of the universes of space, I discover that I bear these lesser rulers of the universes a great and profound affection. After all, I think we all, including the mortals of the realms, love the universal source and all other beings, divine or human, because we discern that these personalities truly love us. The experience of loving is very much a direct response to the experience of being loved. Knowing that my Creator loves me, I should continue to love my divine parent supremely, even if our parent were divested of all attributes of supremacy, ultimacy, and absoluteness. The Divine Parent's love follows us now and throughout the endless circle of the eternal ages. As you ponder the loving nature of our Creator, there is only one reasonable and natural personality reaction. You will increasingly love your Maker. You will yield to our Creator an affection analogous to that given by a child to an earthly parent. The Creator loves and forever seeks the welfare of all created children. But the love of the Creator is an intelligent and far-seeing parental affection. The divine love functions in unified association with divine wisdom and all other infinite characteristics of the perfect nature of the universal source. Our Creator is love, but love is not our Creator. The greatest manifestation of the divine love for mortal beings is observed in the bestowal of the thought adjusters. But your greatest revelation of the divine parent's love is seen in the bestowal life of your local universe creator, Michael, who lived on earth the ideal spiritual life. It is the indwelling adjuster who individualizes the love of our universal creator to each human soul. At times I am almost pained to be compelled to portray the divine affection of the heavenly parent for universe children by the employment of the human word symbol, love. This term, even though it does connote humanity's highest concept of the mortal relations of respect and devotion, is so frequently designative of so much of human relationship that is wholly ignoble and utterly unfit to be known by any word which is also used to indicate the matchless affection of the living creator for universe creatures. How unfortunate that I cannot make use of some supernal and exclusive term which would convey to the mind of mortals the true nature and exquisitely beautiful significance of the divine affection of the Paradise Creator. When mortals lose sight of the love of a personal creator, the reality of the source becomes merely the reality of good. 
notwithstanding the infinite unity of the divine nature, love is the dominant characteristic of all Creator's personal dealings with mortal creatures. Section 6. The Goodness of Our Creator In the physical universe we may see the divine beauty. In the intellectual world we may discern eternal truth. But the goodness of our Creator is found only in the spiritual world of personal religious experience. In its true essence, religion is a faith trust in the goodness of the Creator. The universal source could be great and absolute, somehow even intelligent and personal, in philosophy. But in religion, our Creator must also be moral and must be good. Humans might fear a great divinity, but trust and love only a good parent. This goodness is a part of the personality of the Creator, and its full revelation appears only in the personal religious experience of the believing children of our Divine Parent. Religion implies that the superworld of spirit nature is cognizant of and responsive to the fundamental needs of the human world. Evolutionary religion may become ethical, but only revealed religion becomes truly and spiritually moral. The olden concept that the Creator is a deity dominated by kingly morality was upstepped by Jesus to that affectionately touching level of intimate family morality of the parent-child relationship, than which there is none more tender and beautiful in mortal experience. The concept of a deity as a king-judge, although it fostered a high moral standard and created a law respecting people as a group, left believers in a sad position of insecurity respecting their status in time and in eternity. Jesus revealed our Creator as the parent of each human being. The entire mortal concept of the Creator is transcendently illuminated by the life of Jesus. Selflessness is inherent in parental love. Our Creator loves not like a parent, but as a parent, and is the paradise parent of every universe personality. Righteousness implies that the universal creator is the source of the moral law of the universe. Truth exhibits the creator as a revealer, as a teacher. But love gives and craves affection, seeks understanding kinship such as exists between parent and child. Righteousness may be the divine thought, but love is a parent's attitude. The erroneous supposition that the righteousness of the Creator was irreconcilable with the selfless love of the Creator presupposed absence of unity in the nature of deity and led directly to the elaboration of the Atonement Doctrine, which is a philosophic assault upon both the unity and the free willness of the Divine Parent. The affectionate divine parent whose spirit indwells mortal children on earth is not divided personality, one of justice and one of mercy. 
Neither does it require a mediator to secure the Creator's favor or forgiveness. Divine righteousness is not dominated by strict retributive justice. Deity as a parent transcends deity as a judge. Our divine parent is never wrathful, vengeful, or angry. It is true that the Creator's wisdom does often restrain love, while justice conditions rejected mercy. The Creator's love of righteousness cannot help being exhibited as equal hatred for sin. The Creator is not an inconsistent personality. The divine unity is perfect. In the Paradise Trinity, there is absolute unity despite the eternal identities of the coordinates of the universal source. Our divine parent loves the sinner and hates the sin. Such a statement is true philosophically, but the Creator is transcendent personality, and persons can only love and hate other persons. Sin is not a person. Our divine parent loves sinners because they are personality realities, parentheses, potentially eternal, end parentheses. While striking no personal attitude towards sin, for sin is not a spiritual reality. It is not personal. Therefore, does only the justice of the Creator take cognizance of its existence. The Creator's love saves the sinner. The Creator's law destroys the sin. This attitude of the divine nature would apparently change if the sinner finally identified wholly with sin, just as the same mortal mind may also fully identify itself with the indwelling spirit adjuster. Such a sin-identified mortal would then become wholly unspiritual in nature, parentheses, and therefore personally unreal, end parentheses, and would experience eventual extinction of being. Unreality, even incompleteness of creature nature, cannot exist forever in a progressingly real and increasingly spiritual universe. Facing the world of personality, our divine parent is discovered to be a loving person Facing the spiritual world of personal love and in religious experience is both. Love identifies the volitional will of our Creator. The goodness of our Creator rests at the bottom of the divine free willness. The universal tendency to love, show mercy, manifest patience, and minister forgiveness. Section 7, Divine Truth and Beauty. All finite knowledge and creature understanding are relative. Information and intelligence, gleaned from even high sources, is only relatively complete, locally accurate, and personally true. Physical facts are fairly uniform, but truth is a living and flexible factor in the philosophy of the universe. Evolving personalities are only partially wise and relatively true in their communications. 
They can be certain only as far as their personal experience extends. That which apparently may be wholly true in one place may be only relatively true in another segment of creation. Divine truth, final truth, is uniform and universal. But the story of things spiritual, as it is told by numerous individuals hailing from various spheres, may sometimes vary in details owing to this relativity in the completeness of knowledge and in the repleteness of personal experience, as well as in the length and extent of that experience. While the laws and decrees, the thoughts and attitudes of the first great source and center are eternally, infinitely, and universally true, at the same time, their application to and adjustment for every universe, system, world, and created intelligence are in accordance with the plans and technique of the local universe creators as they function in their respective universes, as well as in harmony with the local plans and procedures of the infinite mind and of all other associated celestial personalities. The false science of materialism would sentence mortals to become outcasts in the universe. Such partial knowledge is potentially evil. It is knowledge composed of both good and evil. Truth is beautiful because it is both replete and symmetrical. When mortals search for truth, they pursue the divinely real. Philosophers commit their gravest error when they are misled into the fallacy of the practice of focusing the attention upon one aspect of reality and then of pronouncing such an isolated aspect to be the whole truth. The wise philosopher will always look for the creative design which is behind and pre-existent to all universe phenomena. The creator thought invariably precedes creative action. Intellectual self-consciousness can discover the beauty of truth, its spiritual quality, not only by the philosophic consistency of its concepts, but more certainly and surely by the unerring response of the ever-present spirit of truth. Happiness ensues from the recognition of truth because it can be acted out. It can be lived. Disappointment and sorrow attend upon error because, not being a reality, it cannot be realized in experience. Divine truth is best known by its spiritual flavor. The eternal quest is for unification, for divine coherence. The far-flung physical universe coheres in the Isle of Paradise. The intellectual universe coheres in the infinite mind, the conjoint actor. The spiritual universe is coherent in the personality of the eternal spirit. But the isolated mortal of time and space coheres in the universal creator through the direct relationship between the indwelling thought adjuster and the creator. The mortal's adjuster is a fragment of the creator and everlastingly seeks for divine unification. It coheres with and in the first source and center. 
The discernment of supreme beauty is the discovery and integration of reality. The discernment of the divine goodness in the eternal truth, that is ultimate beauty. Even the charm of human art consists in the harmony of its unity. The great mistake of evolutionary religion was its failure to associate the goodness of the Creator with the factual truths of science and the appealing beauty of art. As civilization progressed, and since religion continued to pursue the same unwise course of overemphasizing the goodness of deity to the relative exclusion of truth and neglect of beauty, there developed an increasing tendency for certain types of people to turn away from the abstract and associated concept of isolated goodness. The overstressed and isolated morality of modern religion, which fails to hold the devotion and loyalty of many present-day people, would rehabilitate itself if, in addition to its moral mandates, it would give equal consideration to the truths of science, philosophy, and spiritual experience, and to the beauties of the physical creation, the charm of intellectual art, and the grandeur of genuine character achievement. The religious challenge of this age is to those far-seeing and forward-looking people of spiritual insight who will dare to construct a new and appealing philosophy of living out of the enlarged and exquisitely integrated modern concepts of cosmic truth, universe, beauty, and divine goodness. Such a new and righteous vision of morality will attract all that is good in the minds of mortals and challenge that which is best in the human soul. Truth, beauty, and goodness are divine realities. And as mortals ascend the scale of spiritual living, these supreme qualities of the eternal become increasingly coordinated and unified in our Creator, who is love. All truth, material, philosophic, or spiritual, is both beautiful and good. All real beauty, material art or spiritual symmetry, is both true and good. All genuine goodness, whether personal morality, social equity, or divine ministry, is equally true and beautiful. Health, sanity, and happiness are integrations of truth, beauty, and goodness as they are blended in human experience. Such levels of efficient living come about through the unification of energy systems, idea systems, and spirit systems. Truth is coherent, beauty attractive, goodness stabilizing. And when these values of that which is real are coordinated in personality experience, the result is a high order of love conditioned by wisdom and qualified by loyalty. The real purpose of all universe education is to affect the better coordination 
of the isolated child of the worlds with the larger realities of expanding experience. Reality is finite on the human level, infinite and eternal on the higher and divine levels. This paper had been originally presented by a divine counselor acting by authority of the Ancients of Days on Uversa.